This is Solutions Oriented, the show where we help young people get their shit together by trying to solve some of their most common problems. Today, we're going to talk about millennial teams. How do you lead them? How do you retain them? And how do you get on board on the same page with them? My name is Mark and I'm your host. And the reason I decided to talk about this specifically today is because a bunch of things happened in the last week or two that all sort of came together at the same time. The first one is my friend Jake. Uh, shout out to Jake. Jake and I used to run in the same circles back in Isaac uh, two to three years ago. Uh, he gave me some feedback on the podcast and he asked if I could discuss the the different perspectives in being part of a team. One, in perspective of leading it and two, in the perspective of being part of it. Today, I'm going to focus on the perspective of leading a millennial team. In the next episode, I'm going to talk more about how do you contribute as a as a millennial in a team, what are the behaviors that are expected of you, and what should you be doing to really get some shit done as a team member. The other thing that happened is I had a meeting with an acquaintance of mine. I guess we're loosely acquainted. We met briefly at an event in 2017, and we were recently reconnected through a mutual friend of ours. He's in the training space, so he trains especially managers and companies in Southeast Asia. And his main topic is how do you attract and how do you retain young people? He actually gave me a copy of his book, which is called Empowering Millennials, I believe. I haven't read it yet, but once I have, I'll post a review of it for sure. So look out for that. But those two things happening a day or two within each other got me thinking I should maybe talk about specifically how do you how do you manage young people? How do you retain them and how what do they want? Uh, when you Google managing millennials or uh, when you Google sort of the the top level insights on what it's like to to lead those teams uh, you get a lot of content which feels like it's mainly written by people that just barely qualify as millennials so people that are maybe in their early 40s by now or it's written by really academic people by researchers so this topic has been discussed it's not a new topic and it's something that's been uh, that's been you know discussed at length before but i feel like the millennial perspective itself from people that are my age so i'm i'm turning 25 this year uh i feel that our perspective is not as well represented uh our part of the, uh, my part of the millennial generation are entering the workforce now so a lot of people ages 23 to 26 will be now in their first or maybe second jobs some of them are starting leadership roles. A lot of them are becoming entrepreneurs. And I feel that their perspective is not properly uh, explored and properly represented. So I decided I should talk about it. Uh, why am I qualified to talk about the topic? Well, um, I currently, well, funnily enough, I am a millennial. Surprise. As mentioned, I'm turning 25 this year. I've been working with fellow young people for the last five years in my time in Isaac, uh, so four years long i led hundreds directly or indirectly that are all between ages of 17 to 22 uh, with all different backgrounds from different socioeconomic classes and that gave me some really good insight in how young people behave nowadays and what do they want and how do you get them on the same page and two, I currently work in a team full of millennials. I'm, uh, uh, I have two team members who are around the same age as me, a bit younger than me. Shout out to Darren and Siege, and our boss, uh, my boss at the company. His name is Phil. Uh, he is barely 
older than us. Well, and when I say that, barely, it, it feels like he's barely older than us. Um, he is at the top end of the millennial age, so he's like between uh, the border of baby boomers and millennials, I suppose. And he does a great job of managing us. And I'll explain exactly what he does that works well with us and what I've seen work well in my time in Isaac. So that should qualify me to talk about this at length. Uh, before we get into it, we have we're doing some new things this time. Number one, I'm trying to do as few cuts in the recording of this as possible. I'm not sure if it's obvious, but in the last four episodes, I was cutting out fillers. I was cutting out some, some uh, some uh, some you knows, uh, those those filler words. But I was also frequently stopping the recording, and sort of pausing myself when I was losing my train of thought or when I had to take a deep breath. Or when I just had to take a drink. And I'm trying to limit that with this recording. Because I feel it kind of sounds unnatural. And when I was listening to it uh, back to back. It just felt like I was rapid fire. Talking at the microphone for like 25 minutes. And it didn't feel uh, as as natural as it would feel. If you were sitting in front of me. We were having a conversation instead. So yeah. Um, it's a bit less editing. I'm also trying to see if I can improve my workflow. In recording this podcast. And shorten that a bit. Hopefully, this episode will also be available to listen to on YouTube and Facebook in the form of a video. So just a static image with my voice laid over it as a voiceover, I suppose. I noticed that those channels are they're high in demand for content, and I haven't really been using those. So this should be the first episode that you can listen to on Facebook or on YouTube as well. So let's dive into it. Let's dive straight into the topic, and we're going to start by outlining the actual problem. So the real problem here becomes often that the people that have to lead millennials don't know how because they're fundamentally different. And there are many factors that contribute to why millennials are different to the previous generations. You can name anything from the internet to the economy to uh, the educational level, educational attainment, to the lack of, I don't know, global war, for instance. There are many things that have made the millennial generation different. And now the people that lead millennials, as mentioned, are probably a bit older. So a lot of people that lead millennials are now at the either borderline end of millennial age or at the bottom line of the baby boomer generation. For instance, my dad is 30 years older than me. And we obviously have very different approaches to how we manage things and how we look at things. And this is often the case. Millennials had, require a different, a different approach, but people don't know how to give it. Let me start with the very first actionable item that anyone that's leading a millennial team can take right now. If you don't have this in place, I recommend you put this in place, and that's to give regular feedback. Millennials need constant feedback and when I say constant I don't mean like every week I guess the better word here is consistent but millennials need to see themselves improve and the reason the reason they need to do that is because the age of the internet has made instant gratification so easily accessible whether it's posting on social media, whether it's playing online games, whether it's watching YouTube videos or binging on Netflix, it is so easy to get your endorphin hit anytime, anywhere, whenever you want. And what 
will make millennials generally the happiest from what I've seen is seeing themselves improve. Nothing will make a millennial happier than being part of the underdog story, of the come up, of the approval story, of someone that was really garbage at the beginning but worked their ass off and then became really good at something. Being part of that will make them feel like they've impacted something, like they've made an impact on themselves, like they've grown as a human being. And impact and growth are always like the theme of what millennials want. You can make a lot of jokes about the shit millions are millennials are killing, but at the end, what a millennial person wants first and foremost is to see them see themselves improve, because that means they've become worth more. That means they've become more eligible in terms of uh, career development, personal development. Uh, that fleeting feeling of having their shit together comes from seeing themselves grow. Now, of course, I made an episode about giving feedback, but the point I'm trying to drive here is you should be giving feedback on a consistent basis. I recommend once every two or once every three months, have a one-on-one with every young person on your team or young person under you and give them the feedback. Doesn't matter if it's not perfect or great feedback, that's perfectly fine. But as long as they have that constant check-in. In many companies, the only formal structure for feedback is like a half annual or annual performance review. And that's not enough for millennials. And yeah, they want feedback on their performance, but they also want feedback on their personal side. How are they doing professionally? How are they, how are they doing in terms of growth? How are they doing in the company? Give them context. And I guess that's the darker side of the instant gratification uh, culture that comes with the internet. Millennials subconsciously will compare themselves to the people around them and to the people that they see on social media. So part of your feedback could be you could compare them. Right? You can give them contextual feedback. Uh, not You don't have to say, okay, well, Jimmy, you're doing better than Janet and John. Right? That's that's not the kind of feedback that they're looking for. But you can tell them, I feel in the context of the other young people in the company that joined at the same time as you, you're really quite at, at the top. Or um, you're doing really above average in terms of, uh, of your personal development and growth. What's more important is that you have it constantly and that you structure it. And that you give them feedback on the things that they care about. If you don't know what to give them feedback on, fucking ask. Like that might be, that may sound shocking to people that haven't done this before. But the best feedback you can deliver is the feedback that they actually need and want. Which I guess brings me to the second point. Understanding your fucking team members. Understanding the millennials in your company or in your team or in whatever environment you're in, whether it's a sports team, a team at a company, a team at a startup, a team at an NGO. If you're working with young people, you need to get your communication game on a really high level. Communication with millennials is complex and it requires a certain, I guess, uh, fine touch to get it or to get it down to the right level. Millennials associate email most of the time with work, with boring work. So if you're, if email has become your primary modus of communication with your team, I recommend you get something more instant. The millennial generation is the first generation that's grown up with the internet and that's grown up with technology at their fingertips. 
I see uh, when I walk around malls, I see kids as young as four or five on fucking iPads and iPhones or whatever, um, already learning the basics of typing on a phone and messaging and keyboards. Uh, that is the kind of stuff that you can leverage in your communication with millennials. Pick something that's accessible, pick something that is quick, and pick something that you can use beyond the limitations of email. For millennials, email has become the new letter. I mean, there's always the intent of email to replace actual physical letters, but the, the association is still there. So find the right channel of communicating with the millennials. And two, so at some companies, for instance, at an on-off group, we use Slack. And then with my closer friends, I use Telegram. But, uh, and uh, for instance, the way that... Um, that my team and I at uh, Onoff Group, the way we do it, we have our Slack channel for work. We have our Telegram stuff for non-work related discussions. Um, and the next part in the communication uh, topic I'm trying to drive is talk to them. Like it, it may sound very, very basic, very straightforward, but one of the most common common complaints I have from my friends who work in banks, who work in insurance, who work in FMCG, is that their bosses are too busy for them and are generally just closed off. They won't connect with them. They won't talk to them. And I'm definitely going to do a separate episode in the future on how to be a great boss, but in my opinion, this is like the number one thing that a boss has to be able to do is communicate effectively with young people. And in some cases, this means you have to keep communication casual. You have to be willing to joke around and you have to be, you know, uh, you have to be open to getting onto their page and understand what they're going through and what they want. There's always the, all these quotes I always see on LinkedIn and I see on, on you know Instagram or whatever that people don't quit companies or jobs, people quit bosses and people don't quit you know companies, they quit cultures and shit like that. Uh, that is largely true. I've met people working shit jobs and shit companies, but they stayed for like three plus years because their boss was awesome. And I've also met people in my line of work who switched companies because their boss switched companies and they followed their boss. So that relationship as a leader that you have with young people in your team is critical. And the only way you can build it is by communicating with them. Whether it's about work, whether it's about personal stuff, whether it's about just, I don't know, common themes that you guys want to discuss as a team, whether it be politics or sports or whatever can get the discussion going. Uh, that is so critical in developing a strong relationship with your team and keeping your millennial employees employed and happy. If they meet someone from another company that ex exhibits those traits that they're looking for, someone that's willing to talk to them, someone that doesn't treat them like a child, someone that's willing to explain things to them or you know, even give them the context of the work and the bigger company picture, that is so fucking valuable to them. That's what they want. Millennials want to see impact. They want to see growth. They want to see results. They want to see personal development. And the main catalyst to them seeing that is their leader, is their boss, could be you. And if you're not communicating those things to them, which which starts with feedback but then goes beyond that, then it's a one-way street to losing your, your high-potential employees because they'll go somewhere where they feel like they're treated as part of a, you know, of a superstar team and that's what they want. 
So that's my next step, right? Number one, schedule the feedback. Number two, make sure that your communication game is at a high level and it's fast, it's fluid, and it feels natural. So I just went down to get a, to get a glass of water and I was walking down the stairs and I was thinking about the next point I should uh, I should cover in this discussion. And what came to my mind immediately was freedom. You need to give millennials space. And this sounds, well, it sounds a bit weird, I guess. But the freedom to fail and the freedom to try things are critical in giving a great employee experience to young people. I'm trying to think of the best way to illustrate uh, this particular point. However... I guess we can start by by the way you manage them. I found that, okay, so when you Google managing millennials, there is always going to be some point about you shouldn't micromanage them. And I agree with this to an extent. You have to, when you empathize with millennials and you put yourselves in the shoes of someone that's new in a role, that's new in a job, that's new in, an env- in a new environment or whatever, they might not know what's expected of them and they might not know... You know, how a team works, how a department works, how you work as a boss, what's the pace of the work. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't micromanage them. But what I always recommended in my ISEC time was for the more senior members of uh, of our teams to micromanage the new ones for about two to three months. And you communicate that to them. You're telling them, look, at the beginning, I'm going to handhold you a lot. And I'm going to do a lot of, you know, we're going to do a lot of small follow-ups and a lot of check-ins to see how you're doing. But by micromanaging them at the beginning, you give them a taste for the job and for the role and for the pace that you expect them to work at. And once they get used to it, once they get used to that pace, once they understand the output that's expected of them, that's when you go hands-off. And that's when you give them the freedom to do more, to try more, to manage themselves. Of course, I'm not telling you to just like have them sit there and be like, okay, do whatever the, whatever the fuck you want. That's the wrong approach. Um, but I really believe, and millennials enforce this uh, belief in me, I really believe that successful teams and companies are small, nimble, nimble agile. And... At on-off group, I think that's the best example. So what's worked for us with Phil is he doesn't micromanage us. He just checks in on us once a week. We have a annual goal that the sales and marketing team is supposed to reach. And how we get there is almost entirely up to us. Whatever sales tactics you want to try, whatever marketing campaigns you want to give a shot, whatever different pitching tactics or materials we want to use we have the freedom to explore all of those of course if it's like a major thing or if we're going to do something radically different or new uh, we'll seek approval from our boss but anything other than that uh, we have the freedom to try and to fail now i understand a lot of corporations and a lot of uh, larger companies and organizations have processes and have uh, you know chain of command and all that shit where people have to sign uh, get 10 documents signed or whatever to approve a simple, you know, marketing campaign or whatever. I understand that. That's perfectly normal and in many companies. But you as a leader, you have the ability to sponsor their ideas, to support their attempts, and uh, to give them the freedom to try new things. 
Now, in some companies, you don't have the ability for them to, to, I guess, to sponsor different ideas or different tactics, sure. But you can give them the freedom to work in however way they're comfortable, in whatever way works for them. So uh, some young people I've met, they work really well, for instance, under the Pomodoro technique. Uh, some people I've met, they ideally don't. They don't want to talk. To, they don't want to talk to anyone until they have to. Some people prefer working on a round table with three other people around them. Whatever works for your team, whatever works for the young people that you lead, let them do it. And of course, as a, you know, your objective as a leader and as a manager, of course, is to you know reach your targets and to complete your goals and develop people around you. Sure. But if you want millennials to feel comfortable, you have to give them the freedom to grow and the freedom to try and experiment. And this is why especially BPO companies and banks tend to really burn out young people because everything is a strict process and everything is very bureaucratic and slow and by the book. And if you look at the way millennials grow up nowadays and who their role models are and the kind of people they look up to in society and on social media and on the internet, um, they don't look up to the corporate uh, rule stickers. Right? Nobody finds fucking the CEO of, of any regular Fortune 500 to be cool anymore. Right, you you just you come up as an old fart um, that's bureaucratic and doesn't understand the difference between Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the 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 business people that they look up to, the entrepreneurs, the moguls, the cool business people, they're not role players. They're not pencil pushers. And uh, if you want to foster successful and entrepreneurial, I would even argue uh, just generally more creative and more engaged millennials around you, you got to give them the freedom to try and the freedom to fail. And I'm not telling you how to how to run your teams, of course, and the, the, free, the freedom to fail is a bit ambiguous. But if you allow them to figure a lot of the shit out on their own in terms of work ethic, in terms of how to approach certain types of work and how to work as a team, uh, and you don't suffocate them by telling them this is my system, this is how we're gonna do it. Um, you're gonna you're gonna show them that you have trust in them and that you're willing to have them try new things, and that's gonna make them comfortable and happier. And of course, uh, those have a direct relationship to the quality of their work. So that's my third recommendation. You give them the freedom to try things, the freedom to experiment, and as much as possible, allow them to try the, you know new things. And um, if you can do that as a boss, you'll already be miles ahead of the competition. I can guarantee you that for sure. So let's dive into the last parts of this episode because we're already at the 23-minute 23, 23 mark. Yeah, and I don't want to drag this on for too long. Number one was all about giving them feedback consistently and properly. Number two was about communicating with them, asking them, understanding where they're coming from, what they're feeling, and what's happening in their lives, and making sure making sure you're in the same wavelength as them when it comes to talking to millennials. Number three is all about giving them freedom to try things, to explore their environment, to do, do different things in their job, and to have control over their own approach to work. So number four is predominantly to build a culture that's friendly to them. 
and this is difficult to put into words, but I guess the best way to show it is that obviously the kind of culture that I need to grow in is different to the culture my dad needed to grow in. So you need to ask yourself, what kind of young people do you lead? What are their personalities like? And how can you provide them an environment in your team or in your department that makes them want to stay, that makes them comfortable, that makes them happy? For some people, and especially this is for like I guess you know cool and hip companies uh, or entrepreneurial companies, they'll have uh, different types of team building. Or you have companies like Google that put fucking beanbags and slides all over the place. Uh, there are companies that uh, that go out drinking. <laughs> um, uh, I'm obviously struggling for examples here, but if you, what's important is that you build a kind of culture that allows them to feel connected to the company and to the team and to you. Uh, I guess this goes pretty closely hand in hand with what I mentioned earlier about communication, but the easiest way to find out what's the best way to build a culture is to ask them. There are many different things you can do here. Uh, The kind of cultures that tend to be successful from what I've observed are the ones that allow teams to you know, to work together outside of work, to do stuff beyond work. This could be as simple as going bowling as a team. This could be as complicated as redesigning your office or your department space or whatever. Uh, do the research, right? Do the surveying. Ask your ask your members, what do they want? What do they need to be comfortable? Uh, what makes them want to stay with you? And this goes into the fifth point and the last point I want to make, and this closely relates to the fourth point, which is the culture in the team. But uh, the fifth point is to showcase impact, to show the people that you are working with how their work is helping others, how their work is impacting others. And this is, of course, extremely limited to the context of your company. So... It could be as as simple as we are breaking revenue records in our department thanks to your help, thanks to your input, and you were a big part of that, all the way to um, if you say, let's say you're in an NGO like I was, uh, you are literally impacting the lives of other people, of other young people, of people who are less fortunate than you. Uh, That impact showcasing where people felt ownership of the work they did and they could see the, the bigger impact of their work in the scheme of bigger things, that was always like their wow moment. Their it was all worth it, or I want to do more of this kind of moment. If you can't, if you inherently don't have something like that as a company, where you can't show them that you don't, that they haven't made an impact, or that their work does, hasn't really impacted anyone in the bigger picture, then maybe it's showing them the smaller picture, like because of your work, this team is so much better. Because of your presence, we're doing so much better as a department. It doesn't have to be all be you no know, fluffy rainbows and uh, solving poverty. It can be the small impact. It can be the impact in a specific environment, in a specific context. And if you can showcase that to them, Right. If you can not only give them a culture that they're happy in, but also give them a culture that recognizes their achievement and recognizes their impact on the company and on the team, you will build yourself some very, very loyal employees. And that's what I can really recommend. That's what I've seen work. That's what I have attempted to do and I have failed and succeeded to do in various teams I've led over the last few years. 
and that's what I see working in the company that I am with today and uh, not in all aspects of course that these things are always in a constant state of development or improvement but uh, the best thing you can really do in terms of managing your millennial team in terms of managing your millennial employees is to do the five things so a quick recap before we end this episode let's see if we can end just at the 30 minute mark one make sure you're giving feedback all the time of the right things to the right people two make sure you're communicating make sure you're communicating as a boss but also as a leader so as in some cases as a friend as a superior as a support system uh, three, allowing them, allowing your millennials to try and to fail and to improve on their own, to uh, to teach them how to teach them how to walk, but let them run on their own. Number four, develop a culture. Company culture is huge and massive, and I can do separate episodes just on that. But uh, being able to put the company culture into words and describe how the company culture feels, and then aligning aligning that with uh, what your millennial employees want is going to be massive in terms of seeing retention and in terms of seeing impact and three and five the final one is to show impact recognize people show them off put them on a pedestal if you have to every now and then not because of the gratification but because millennials don't like going in circles they don't like being boring and they don't like feeling you know useless you want to show them that, hey, it's because of you that we're doing so well as a company. It's because of you that our employees or our customers are so happy. Uh, you're playing a big part in that, and we're happy because we're happy that you're here. That's how you foster loyalty. Millennials are very prone to job hopping, but they'll stop job hopping once they get once they find a place where they can be happy and they can work and uh, work towards things that they actually like. So yeah, those are my five big tips, my five big insights and how you manage millennial teams successfully. I hope this will be able uh, that anyone who leads or works with young people around them that they can take a thing or two away from this episode. Um, big shout out to to Jake for putting this topic in, in front of my mind. And, uh, and yeah, expect more content from me soon. Next episode, I'm going to talk about when you are a millennial in a team, what, what do I recommend that you do? What do, what do I recommend that you don't do? So the, the, the perspective of a millennial in a team, what can you do uh, if you have a shit boss? How do you manage up? How do you manage left and right? Um, how do you navigate through team dynamics and team culture? I'll touch on those in the next episode because that's now on the forefront of my mind too and that's a really good topic to talk about, so I'm excited for that. But yeah, this was episode five, leading millennials, managing millennials, hopefully empowering them too. Uh, I had a lot of fun recording this and uh, of course, always open to feedback, always open to topic ideas. Please let me know if you have anything you'd like me to talk about. Much appreciated. I'll see you guys next week. Peace out.